You're listening to More Than a Song, episode 121. Hello, and welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio, to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. I'm going to go topical this week as I use Francesca Battistelli's song, If We're Honest, to dive into God's Word and explore a topic that I've been batting around a bit with some of my besties, and that is the topic of accountability. So let's not waste any time. Let's listen. So bring your brokenness and I'll bring story behind the song on a video on YouTube this week. I'll link to it in the show notes. You can find the show notes at michellekneezat.com forward slash 121. And I spell my name M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E-N as in Nancy E-Z-A-T. And so uh, you can, again, the show notes are basically just a review. So you don't have to take notes while you're listening. I reference all of the scriptures and any links to any other outside sites I put in those show notes for you every week. Uh, but Francesca basically talks about the idea that there is a lie in the church that says that we have to always put up a perfect facade and never share what we're struggling with. She also gives a verse from James that goes like this. It says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. That's James 5.16. And we've talked about this in previous episodes, but God's plan is for us to be in fellowship with one another. The enemy's plan is for us to be isolated. He convinces us that we're going to be judged or rejected if we share our struggles. And so what do we do? We keep them inside and we stay in bondage. But James here is saying that we shouldn't keep it inside. In fact, we are to confess our sins to each other for healing. I think this process brings emotional healing as well as physical healing. But I mentioned at the top of the episode that our goal is to be in relationships that include accountability. But I have to admit, there are some various levels of relationship, just in practical terms, that you need to go through before reaching the intimacy and trust in a relationship that will include accountability. And before I even get into all that, I realize that there are some people that are not going to be trustworthy with your feelings. They're not going to be trustworthy with your struggles and with your sin. However, I don't want you to keep let that keep you from taking personal responsibility to ensure that you are trustworthy. 
I need to be trustworthy. I need to be trustworthy myself. And then hopefully that will attract the same kinds of people. So I'm not saying throw out all boundaries and set everything aside and go, oh, you're a believer. Let me just open up to you and share all my sins and struggles. Because there are people who will judge you and will reject you um, because they're not trustworthy people. So again, I realize that they're that you need to attract trustworthy people. But my challenge to you is to be trustworthy first. Uh, but when God was speaking to his people in Zechariah about the their coming season of prosperity, he was, he was talking to them that the, the season was coming. It was following a season of his wrath against their sin. But he instructed them in this way. He said, these are the things that you shall do. Speak the truth to one another. Render in your gates judgments that are true and make for peace. So it starts with truth, but you also must use wisdom and prudence. In fact, I love this. Wisdom and prudence are roommates. Proverbs 8, chapter 12, or 8, chapter 8, verse 12 says, I, wisdom, dwell with prudence. I possess knowledge and discretion. Isn't that interesting? So they're roommates. So wisdom and prudence uh, live together, okay? But we need to be truthful all the while using wisdom, prudence, and discretion. And then realizing that we have a need for grace and mercy and be willing to offer that to others. When we're in this place uh, where we are, again, a trustworthy friend with, with wisdom and prudence, seeking out other trustworthy friends, the next step is vulnerability, Now, I know we shy away from vulnerability and transparency because it's burned us before. I realize that. But if we have found someone who is on the same path that we are on, and what I'm talking about is loving and following Jesus, desirous of knowledge and truth, and wanting to engage in spiritual partnership for the kingdom of God. If we've found that kind of person, we have to be willing to be vulnerable. I know what I'm saying. I realize that when you look up the word vulnerable in the dictionary, that it means you are susceptible to physical or emotional attack or harm. But intimacy requires us to get really get real and it can be worth the risk. So we've taken the risk. We've pulled down our barriers. And now, like our song says, it's time to get honest. And I had a friend ask me one time, Michelle, you never talk about what you're struggling with. And and that comment really slapped me in the face. And I'm I'm pretty sure that pride is a was a big part of the equation. Um, But, you know, I'm sure not wanting friends to think less of me. But isn't that the lie? You know, when you've read an author or heard a speaker get raw and real and offer a place for you to say, oh, me too. I thought I was the only one. So even if you can't relate to their struggle, you realize that they're human. And that's all that my friend was asking. You know, just, Michelle, just be willing to share your struggle. Just be willing to be human. But I want to re- reiterate something that I said a minute ago. It, it has to be someone on the same path. Your goals must be the same, to know and follow hard after Christ. Because when our eyes are on each other, we can get sideways pretty quickly. So I love this song when it says, bring your brokenness and I'll bring mine. 
You know, both sides are willing so that healing can happen. And as you bring your brokenness and as you support one another in prayer, you position your relationship for the next level, which is accountability. Now, accountability says, I'm going to saturate my life with God's word, and so are you. And then we will hold each other accountable to the truth set before us, and we will commit to pray, just like that scripture said, confessing our sins and praying for one another. And by doing that, we're taking it to the one who can heal our brokenness. You know, you're not taking it to someone else who can heal your brokenness. You're you're confessing your sins. You're bringing your brokenness. They're bringing yours, theirs, and then you're bringing it to the Father for healing. And, and I love the lyrics in the first verse. I didn't play it, but it says, I'm a mess and so are you. You know, we're not better than one another, but we can call each other higher. And I'll never forget the time when um, I was really venting to a friend and I had kind of crossed the line, right? And she corrected me with scripture. We totally have that relationship now, me and my friend, but this was a first in our relationship in that, in that moment. And I had a choice. I could accept the truth offered to me in love, or I could take up an offense and break the relationship. Proverbs 27, 6 says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. And it may have hurt my feelings, but when she called me on the carpet, it was for my best good. And so, and it was also founded in love and truth um, and, and she wasn't trying to reject me or, or, or cut me down. She really was trying to build me up and call me higher. And truth hurts. Honesty hurts. It can be challenging. I get that, but it's totally worth it. You see, I'm accountable to others in my faith journey. I have accountability with my husband. Um, I have accountability with a mentor in my life, uh, with my pastor, and with some very dear friends um, who've agreed to, to walk this rocky path of life with me. And we admit to each other, I have a couple of friends that, you know, we've kind of committed and made a decision to make our relationship different than just um, um, an average friendship relationship. And it's funny because we admit to each other often that we can take it from each other when our skin is a little thin with others. You know, I can't tell you the number of times I've said, why can you tell me this? But if anyone else in my life said that to me, I couldn't take it. I would I would take up an offense. But these friends and I, we met recently and we brainstormed about how we got to this place of accountability. We realize it's special. We realize it's unique. Um, we realize it's divine. You know, we look back and see that God orchestrated it. And so, but I don't want to use all of those words to say that you can't have that. You know, we talked about what... What could we share with others that could help them have this kind of relationship? And by the way, it's not just between women. I mean, my relationship, my accountability relationship are between two other ladies, but my husband also has accountability relationships. And so I've relied on his wisdom and perspective for you too. I, I realize I have many male listeners as well. So a relationship that is, that is ready for accountability must have some depth to it. And it starts with koinonia, which is uh, the Greek word for fellowship, which means spiritual partnership. If you have not listened to episode 119, I want you to reach back and listen to episode 119 for a deeper discussion on that. But this is why you can't have this kind of relationship with someone who is not walking with Christ. Notice I didn't say 
you can't have this kind of relationship. Um, you have to have this kind of relationship with a Christian. I'm, I'm talking about someone who's passionate, active, presently walking with Christ. So that accountability relationship, that's the kind of person that you want to look for. And by the way, again, back to my first point, you want to be that kind of person, passionate, active, presently walking with Christ. So step one, be on the same path. If you find a follower of Christ that does not want to grow, then accountability is not going to work with that person. Because they will be the type of person willing to dish it but can't take it. You know what I mean? And so when you're in partnership and the ship goes down, we all sink. <laughs> okay? So again, you've got a, you're, you're developing a spiritual partnership um, about something that's deeper than just um, friendship and, and a few things in common. So when, when I brainstormed with my friends... We, we did realize that our relationships grew out of growing together and serving together. So we've been in Bible studies together. We've been in, um, had some pretty frank discussions about some pretty interesting topics, maybe um, intimate topics, private type topics. We've read books together. Uh, we've also served in ministries together. Uh, two of us were accountable to the same mentor at one particular stage in our friendship and in our walk with Christ. All of these things have contributed to our spiritual partnership. So common experiences can be very important in developing this type of accountability. Uh, and I just want to make a note, though, that we are not currently all in the same place to be able to do that now. So I'm, I'm going to mention that in a minute. But another thing that works for our friendship is that we all have... Um, the same devotional book that we rely on. It's interesting. I mean, it sounds somewhat random, but we all own the book Streams in the Desert, and it's a daily devotional that I highly recommend. We don't always read it every day necessarily. At least I, I don't. They may say that they do, but sometimes we'll just text each other and say, read Streams today, and we'll pull it out and pray or rejoice or comment or something, but oftentimes Streams will mention a verse, you know, a verse out of context, and we make it a habit to always read in context, then sometimes that sparks a conversation as well. But it kind of keeps us all on the same page. And so uh, it streams in the desert is not the magic. I think it just happens to be that number one, it's something that draws us to scripture and to truth and um, that we can all kind of be on the same page with. Another thing that works for both my husband and this particular group of friends is Right now, we actually have distance. We no longer all attend the same church. Uh, we are not even in the same states. <laughs> and, and I'm not saying this part is necessary. I don't think distance is necessary. But with technology, I do want to say it's not a barrier. Um, and in many ways, it gives us opportunity for transparency when you are certain it will not harm other relationships. Because sometimes transparency in a, in a group of close-knit people that are all in church together, active in ministry together, or whatever, you have to be really, really careful. Remember, wisdom and prudence, those roommates, you're going to have to use that from time to time, especially if you are in the same fellowship of believers, which is how we all started, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, another thing that we have done together is we have fasted together. And sometimes we fast for each other. Sometimes we fast together on behalf of others. But getting serious about calling on the Father for needs on the same day 
with similar commitments, you know, similar, uh, we all, we all agree not to eat today um, and instead pray fervently. And then we celebrate when God comes through in miraculous ways. We have, as friends, experienced miracles together. And I can't put into words how meaningful that is and how affirming that is from our Father. And it only deepens our commitment to one another. And then, uh, so being on the same path, serving together, participating in shared experiences, reading a book together or sharing a devotional. Yes, all of these. But most of all, we are for one another. We choose to think the best of each other even when we don't say it the right way. You know, even when we uh, are trying to correct or bring truth or bring perspective. And like I said, any other person says it that way and we would immediately take up an offense or get defensive. But we just choose. We've made a choice to think the best of each other. And and the way you maintain this level of commitment and relationship has to include the final level, which is intentionality. So first comes vulnerability, then honesty, then accountability, and then what holds it all together. And again, these are like building blocks. So we don't like stop being vulnerable now that we're accountable. No, I mean, you're you're even more vulnerable. So all of that holds together. It's all held together by intentionality. And we must purposefully keep each other in, in the loop. We have to keep each other in the loop of our concerns, our prayers, our celebrations and our struggles. You know, we will share articles that we read. Um, They listen to my podcast. I read their blog articles, um, you know, things like that. We we share text messages. Uh, We use an app, I've mentioned this before, called Voxer, where we can leave voice messages for each other. And what's nice about that, because, you know, we can leave a message on Voxer and then the, between the three of us, we can listen at, at a time frame that's that's natural to us or convenient for us or a time zone for that matter that's natural or convenient to us. Um, and so that's just being really intentional. And then part of that intentionality too is verbalizing our commitment to one another and celebrating our friendship. I can't tell you the number of times we have stopped and said, either in a prayer or just to each other, I am so thankful because I know I can depend on you to pray for me in this. I know you're thinking of me. I know you love me. Uh, I thank God every day for this friendship. I mean, we open and if we if we do have an opportunity to talk to each other on the phone, we pray for one another. We verbally right there on the phone, lift one another up. So we verbalize that commitment to one another and then we celebrate our friendship as often as we can. Now, there are relationships in your life I know that that you don't have to talk to each other. You can go months and then just pick up right where you left off. I have some of those. They are precious and beautiful. But intentionally enlisting the prayer, uh, intentionally enlisting the the challenge, the 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 call to truth, the call to a higher level of commitment to Christ, uh, supporting each other on a consistent basis is what makes this these relationships like none other. And sometimes that means it takes work. You know, it does take time. It is an investment, but it is a beautiful thing. And so before I leave today, I want to take us to one more place in Scripture that reveals a principle that even if you feel like this entire discussion I've gone through already is just out of your reach, I believe if you enlist this principle in your life, it will 
it will change your life as you begin to follow this principle. It's called the Matthew 18 principle because it's found in Matthew chapter 18. And this is where I'm going to introduce a quick bite. I use uh, Bible interaction tool exercises each week um, to hopefully help you take a bite out of scripture. And this week's tool is to use subheadings found in most Bible translations to get your bearings uh, and to give you context clues about the scripture section that you're reading. So when I go to Matthew 18, there are five headings in that chapter. The greatest in the kingdom of heaven, causing to stumble, the parable of the wandering sheep, dealing with sin in the church, and the parable of the unmerciful servant. So the Matthew 18 principle is actually found in the section entitled, Dealing with Sin in the Church. So right there, you've got a clue. You can correctly reason that this principle is designed for believer-to-believer conflict. And here's what it says. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you've won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as if you would treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. This is red letters, by the way, Jesus is saying this. So here's the principle. Between believers, when there is conflict, and conflict, by the way, is usually caused by wrongdoing by one or both parties, and wrongdoing is also known as sin. So don't be freaked out by the fact that it says if somebody sins against one another. But between believers, when there's conflict, you go and discuss it uh, between just the two of you. It does not say that you share it at your next Bible study gossip time. I mean, prayer time right? It does not say that you hash it out with mutual friends. It says just between the two of you. But most people don't do this because it makes them uncomfortable. And most people never make it past this first step. They never give the other person a chance to seek forgiveness or, or, or get defensive. I mean, either respond appropriately or inappropriately. They just don't address it at all. They shove it down. They ignore it. Or worse, they assign character to the other person that may never have been there in the first place. So it, it also doesn't say that you can jump levels. So this is super important. Like in my school, for example, when a teacher does something wrong, parents want to skip the teacher and go straight to the principal. And that completely breaks all of the rules. First of all, the student, if the teacher has done something wrong against the student, the student should approach the teacher. Again, remember, I'm at a Christian school. The teachers are believers. They're professing believers. So when a parent takes the the this principle and does not encourage the student to take personal responsibility we are teaching our children to follow an unbiblical example so i have a quick one my daughter one time was falsely accused by a teacher now in the teacher's defense she accused her of doing something that she had done in the past but in this particular case emily had purposefully not done it because she was trying you know she was really trying to do better and the teacher falsely accused her So I encouraged Emily. She had to go to the teacher. Matthew 18, I cannot go for you. You need to go for you. She was in fourth grade at at the time. And I I, I gave her the space to do it. So she went to the teacher and I prayed and prayed and prayed. She went to the teacher and the teacher um, just said that she was sorry that she had falsely accused her and asked for her forgiveness. 
praise God. I was so glad that it, that it, that she was humble in her response, but that built up Emily's courage to be able to do that in the future. Now, if the teacher would have denied it or, or done something where, you know, added on top of it or something like that, then I would have come in and taken the next step in the Matthew 18 principle. And that is to take other people along. By bringing other people into the situation, it brings perspective. Hopefully, you choose wisely in those you bring along. The goal is for resolution and healing, not winning. So this would be like in the school example where I just gave you that I would have come along into the situation to advocate for Emily. And if it got too serious and the teacher still didn't respond, maybe I would bring in the principal or something like that at that time. But And if they still refuse to listen, we could go even higher in, in the authority. So this is a believer who, if they still refuse to listen, it's a believer who refuses to acknowledge a sin that has been confirmed by many witnesses in step two. Then you take it to the church, which is the ultimate earthly authority over believers. So when you read these verses in context, you realize that Jesus is talking about unity between heavenly things and the Father's will and all involved. God is present when we gather in his name, even if it's in resolving conflict. I'll promise you, you cannot ignore this principle. And I will also promise you from personal life experience, it's one of the most life-giving principles I know of. I think it's magnified by the fact that conflict is usually life-sucking and relationship-destroying, but this principle brings life. So in conclusion, building and maintaining deep Christ-centered relationships is possible. It starts where our song leads us with vulnerability and honesty, accountability and intentionality. And ultimately, it means we're courageous enough to follow principles found in God's word like the one in Matthew 18. So what's next? We went a few places in scripture today that you could meditate on. James 5 is where we learn to confess our sins to one another and pray for one another. Matthew 18 teaches us a profound principle for relationships. There are many Proverbs you could explore topically that will give you wisdom in relating to one another. But the best thing that you can do in practice, along with meditating on scripture this week, is to pray for one another. Be for each other enough to do some of these hard things. And then while you're in God's word this week, let me know how you're doing. Email me directly, michelle at michellekneezat.com. You can hop on Twitter or Facebook and we can talk about what you're learning. Now, before I tell you what song will be featured next week, I want to shout out to Kimberly from Tennessee, Robert from Maryland, Rayanne from Massachusetts, Martha from California, Jenny from New Jersey, Darla from Georgia, Nestor from Hawaii, Sai from California, Liska from Nebraska, Anthony from somewhere in the U.S., and Teresa from Kentucky. These are my newest subscribers to my website. Welcome. Now, the benefit of subscribing is that I will email you once a week, and in that email, you'll get a weekly memory verse resource to display on your smartphone, tablet, desktop, or you can print it out. You'll get an email recap of the week's episode, and you'll get instant access to any extra resources that I create from time to time. And all of that is just my way of saying thank you for listening. So head over to michellekneezat.com and subscribe today. And don't miss an episode. You can subscribe in iTunes that or Stitcher Radio. It'll come straight into your smart device. And while you're there, leave me a written review and a star rating. This encourages me, but it also keeps me visible to new listeners. And as always, if you take the time to review my podcast, I will take the time to personally thank you right here on the podcast. That's it for this episode of More Than a Song. 
Next week, I'm going to be on vacation with my family, but I have prepared an episode remembering why I started the podcast. Don't worry, there will still be scripture and music. If you liked this episode, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With just one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michellekneesat.com forward slash one, two, one. While you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.